Hello and welcome to Into the Script, the podcast where we analyze the most talked about scripts, the choices the writers made and how they translate to the big screen. Um, I am Livio Maynard. And I'm Thomas De Azevedo. And uh, today we're here to talk about Leave No Trace, written by Deborah Granick and adapted from the book My Abandonment by Peter Rock. This is episode number three. And it's gonna be a very hard episode because um, not only because the script's been adapted from a book, but the script is very, very different than the movie. Completely different, yeah. Um, even thematically speaking, there's a lot of things happening on the screenplay that was provided to us, and it's provided on the internet as well. But uh, if you see the film, if you read the script, you can't really compare them directly. There is a lot of things from the screenplay that carried over to the screen, but a lot has been changed as well. Yes, and of course, obviously, spoiler alert, because <laughs> obviously we're going to be talking about the script, so we're going to reveal a bunch of the stuff that happens in the movie. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, please go ahead and watch it or read the screenplay and Come back and uh, listen to this episode. It's yeah. going to be very interesting. I think the uh, the first thing we need to talk about is how the writer, Deborah Granick, how much she changed. Thomas and I, we have different approaches to this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. I try to read the screenplay and try to make it as clear as possible in my head. I saw, I remember the movie more than I remember the screenplay and Thomas is completely different. He remembers the screenplay more than he remembers the movie. So we kind of complement each other in that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember the screenplay being very, very different from the movie. The, and I read about it. I read that Ben Foster actually convinced Deborah Granick, the director and writer director Mm -hmm. to change a lot of the stuff that goes in the screenplay when they were shooting, before they started shooting, because he thought it was there was too much exposition, so they cut a lot of uh, a lot of the dialogue in the movie, in the screenplay, and they simplified the themes a lot more. Yeah, and they they totally changed the characters' backstory too. I I didn't feel I didn't feel like the the screenplay actually had a drive for the for the the Will character played by Ben Foster. While in the while in the film itself, it was we already knew the reason that he he was the way he was. So um, I think we should maybe just touch a little bit on leave no trace. So here's the logline that is in the IMDb page for that movie. It's a father and his 13 year old daughter are living an ideal existence in vast urban park in Portland, Oregon, when a small mistake derails their lives forever. So right yeah. there from that log line, it is already a bit different from, you know, what the I think film... It's a very ambitious log line because from the, from the start, it establishes that they're living an ideal... What is it? What does it say again? An ideal location. No. Ideal existence. An ideal existence, which is by any measure of civilization, is is not an ideal existence. I mean, they're 
they're very poor. They're like cast away from society. They're living in the woods, um, barely scraping by. But you know, they they were fairly happy with their situation there. Yeah. The relationship between father and daughter in yes. this movie is one of the the main the main reasons for this movie being made is yeah. exactly that father and daughter story and how you know the daddy's little girls growing up as well so but, what do you think the the major themes in the story was were well i uh, <coughs> i think it would it would, it touches a lot on on societal values versus family values uh i also think there is isolation versus you know being part of a society yeah I th yeah yeah i think you're right i think one of the biggest themes were conforming to society mm -hmm. and also one of the bigger bigger themes in the story were um letting go like she needed to he needed to let go the lifestyle that they had before she needs to, to at some point in the story she needs to let go of her dad and, and become independent and becoming independent so it's a big big theme of the story is how to let go of the things that you like and you love yeah i think when you read the screenplay that's not very clear but when you watch the movie that's crystal clear yeah and i think that's definitely where ben foster uh brought in i mean uh if you compare both both characters in the screenplay and in the film in the screenplay, the Will character seemed like he was running away from society and just uh, not in touch with society and not wanting to be part of it. And he and he and his his daughter Tom were actually having a very uh, good time and and enjoying their their simple life in in this urban park. But of course, this is no acceptable living standard in today's society, which brings a, a lot of the the questions that, you know, that this movie raises is definitely what is acceptable? What is a home? You know, is it is it a place where you're comfortable even having little or is it being part of society, staying inside that frame and that picture of a normal family, having a house, having a job? interacting with you know the community while the other the other part is will's view of the world which is staying with his daughter and providing safety for her yeah no oh, totally i agree um mm -hmm. do you want to go over the uh the uh, the elements in the story uh, yeah do you want to start with the setup yeah let's start or the opening image well opening image in the story is if you if you take the uh you know, save the cat structure where the opening image have to be the closing image have to mirror the opening image, then this doesn't work in the story. Because the opening image is pretty much establishing it's it's several establishing shots of where they live. Mm -hmm. Right? So yeah. that's the opening image of the story. It, the movie starts with them like each doing their own thing and uh, showing the woods where they live. And that kind of flows into the setup, whereas the um, presents the world. In the script, that's very short. That's only maybe 10 pages mm -hmm. of, uh, of script where it kind of sets up the story and show how they, they're, they're living and 
the things they have to do to survive in the woods and uh, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Their interests as well. Yes, their interests. And in the movie, that takes way longer. They do way more stuff in the woods. They interact with way more people and just simply do more things. It's I think they 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 developed that uh, setup that uh, opening sequence way more in the movie than they did in the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think in the big both screenplay and film have used uh, the ordinary world as you know Tom and Will living in a in a tent in a park. So they were secluded from the world, and then. Obviously, something happens in every movie. Yes, yeah, something happens. I mean, it. I don't think. Do you think they they established the theme right from the beginning? No. I don't think. Yeah, it's not very clear what the movie is about when uh, when you start watching. It's a father and daughter. They're sort of living in the woods and uh, doing a lot of you know very survivalist stuff. You don't really know huts. why they're there. They don't you really you don't really know why they're there or what their objective is. They have drills. Uh, it's very clear in the movie that they don't want to be found or don't want to interact with people spontaneously at, le- at least. And the script is not very clear because it's very short. It's it's maybe half the time. And the script is half the time they take in the woods uh, than compared to the movie. Yeah. The catalyst the catalyst event happens when they meet the jogger, do you agree? Yeah, I, I, I would say either that or when Tom exposes herself going to see the park, going towards the noise where the workers, workers were were going, and she kind of sneaks there and and maybe. Then, but when she sees the workers, that doesn't change anything for them. Yeah, like it might have changed for the character, but it doesn't change anything for the story. So I, I can see that situation as being a catalyst because it doesn't move the story forward. Yeah. But when she's, when she meets the jogger, she gets distracted because she finds a, a little pendant, um, a seahorse pendant, mm-hmm. and she starts reading about seahorses mm-hmm. and gets distracted. They have this, this very elaborate drill or they have this very elaborate. See, was that, that part of the seahorses was, Something that wasn't in the screenplay. The screenplay had her finding that pendant, but yeah. that wasn't really, it wasn't distinguished as a seahorse. And she actually finds a mushroom that she was very mushroom. excited about. And exactly. she used to check you know, in the encyclopedia all this you yeah. know, information about mushrooms. And she, that was her thing, like her thing with her dad, where they, used to pretty much create a catalog of everything there were that was around them in the in this you know mini world that they lived in so that's one of the things that i liked that they changed yeah because Major. it was very very dull she finds like mushrooms and they they they're building this catalog in the script that's how it worked in the script yeah but in the movie after they changed it for the movie mm-hmm. instead of finding mushrooms she starts reading about the pendant that she found which is a seahorse and she sees things like seahorses uh have mates for life and uh they uh when they wake up they look for their for their partners um so things like that it has to do with the theme of the movie so yeah, that's I, one of the things that i liked that they changed and i i also I think it worked very well i also agree because when when she uses that pendant and 
on the film when she's checking for seahorses at that moment i felt like okay she is a kid she does enjoy reading more uh regular things instead of in the screenplay checking you know all these specific types of mushroom types and something that more i feel like the audience can connect more with somebody that is more involved with you know regular things like seahorses and or sea lions seahorses seahorses yeah, yeah seahorse pendant and then and then basically uh and and that part in the film was something that that was more well she she gets distracted right she she yeah. starts reading about the seahorse and she gets distracted yeah. because they're very they have this very elaborate drill about not being found and what to do when they're found and she gets distracted and this jogger comes by the woods and sort of sees her and she tries to hide but the guy already saw her so he leaves and she doesn't say anything to her dad thinking it's okay but then uh the police shows up they hear uh dogs barking and police uh canine units and uh they know they're done for it so that's the catalyst when there's she meets the jogger because that changes everything and flips the whole story around yeah that's the first contact you know with society there and then society came after them because they weren't in or at I mean, first the jogger first thought it wasn't first contact because they went to the city to grab he went to the city to grab pills yeah so that's another thing in the script it's not clear that he has ptsd yeah that was it's there yeah. but you can't it's not you have to really to like this mental exercise of why is he going for pills or why he is he sick or is he you know you know it's never clear but the way they the change the the, the this element to fit the movie they made it absolutely clear that he has PTSD he even he even they they even went as far as to give him a nightmare he has a nightmare about helicopter sounds mm -hmm. and it's clear clear that he went he was in the service because yeah. it doesn't you, you you have no idea that he did that when you read the script yeah um, in the screenplay i think they used the the whole helicopter sound for a different scene something more like they were going over the the tent and everything to find them but while in the film they use the helicopter sound as a nightmare bringing that whole backstory that he had that we don't know and we soon find out after when when he's being exactly uh, so that's another example of yeah. a change that i liked because it it clarified the uh, reason he that he does has he does have ptsd while in the script it's never very clear it's always kind of a hazy element so there's no debate in this in this part of the story right the debate comes later in the story mm -hmm. um it goes from the catalyst straight into breaking its second act um which is they uh, are forced to comply with the service workers the, the mm -hmm. police yeah they're um, taken by the police and they're going into the they're going they're being interviewed and they're being tested for you know knowledge and and just just to see what their status is among society so they were there and being you know after on the screenplay we know that we find out that will actually has some social anxiety or he's socially introvert yeah. while in the film that wasn't really pointed out 
Uh, I think in the film it worked real we really well in the... Uh, there's a scene where he's answering the questions, like 435 questions that he has to answer. Yeah. And it's a great example of how you can tell the character's background without a lot of exposition because... But at this point, when he's answering the questions, you know that he has PTSD because he's having nightmares about helicopters oh. and he's getting pills for his, you know, his psychological issues, problems. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you know that he's in trouble. Mm -hmm. And when he starts answering the questions, you start associating and you start creating the back, the character's background. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a great way of uh, creating, you know, Telling yeah. the story of the character without a lot of exposition, a lot of dialogue. That worked really well for me. Yeah, because uh, from the screenplay, it's not clear that he was in, in the service as a Marine or, or... Yeah, it was a Marine, right? I don't remember if he was a Marine. Well, he was a vet. So he was mm -hmm. in the service, he was in the military, and he suffered from PTSD and... And in the film, he that is clear. But in the in the screenplay, we don't really have that background. We just kind of have that sense because of his survival skills and how well he he can create, you know, fire and he can, you know, create shelter. So he's really he's resourceful. He's resourceful, and he knows how to, you know, run away. He he knows how to. Fine yeah. and you know camouflage all yeah. those things. So that's the the traits that were hinting that he was a military man. Yeah. If if Ben Foster was responsible for all these changes, mm -hmm. kudos to him because these were amazing changes that he did. Because the the PTSD element in the story is so important because it's the whole. It's very important to his character. It's the thing that drives his character into doing whatever he does in the story and then the script is, that's never really clear it's always like he's like this quirky character that you never really you know the, you know there's something wrong with him but you're never sure exactly what it is and in the movie the changes that they made made it very clear that's because he's he's traumatized so that's for me that was that was the best thing they made that's why the movie's so good because you don't have any trouble understanding the story. The midpoint of the story is when they, they're pretending that they're adapting. Will doesn't really want to adapt. He, he doesn't want to conform. He's a nonconformist. While Tom, his daughter, is starting to like the, the life that they're having, with going to church and interacting with groups and having friends. She meets a boy. So she, she's sort of liking where they are. Well, before she, she thought home was just living with her dad, uh, whatever they, wherever they were. Now she's, she's trying to belong to somewhere. So that's where conflict starts to arise between them yeah. because he doesn't want to live there. He doesn't want to conform to society. He's trauma. She, he's a war veteran. He's traumatized. He wants to live on his own. And he wants his daughter to live with him, yeah. but she doesn't want that. And that becomes, that escalates very, very quickly, from very quickly when, when they decide to leave the first house the, the the service workers put them in. And this is, yeah, exactly. In the midpoint, that was the moment that he just couldn't really 
fit into that picture that the that social workers put him in. So he went to Tom and Tom, even though she was already becoming a bit more social and interacting and having, you know, having fun with the kids, getting to know this, uh, you know, the area and the neighbors and everything. She, she was fitting in right, fitting right in. But in the, in the screenplay, we don't know the reason that the father wants to leave. In the film, we understand that it's his somewhat of a paranoia or just a little bit of social anxiety. He always felt, uh, and I, I thought it was very clear and, and well told how they put them in a very tight, you know, one of, one of those very plain boxed homes that everybody's used to living. But for him, clearly you saw that they weren't fitting in and that was obviously before the midpoint, but this is when, even when they were trying or when the father was trying to fit in, one day they decided to go to sleep outside of the camp looking just because they couldn't adapt. He couldn't adapt to the sound. And yeah, it helped Tom sleep as well. So that's uh, that's something that they were used to and they weren't really fitting in, but they move on. So uh, they run away. They run away, and that's that's when the, when conflict between the characters. That's we were talking about this earlier. That's when Tom, um, sorry, Will starts to turn into an antagonist. Yeah. Because at, until this point, the antagonist was society. Um, society and police, and you know everyone that were that was trying to force them to live according to society's rules. But then, as Tom, and this is why Tom is. It's the most important character in the movie because as she starts to adapt and to like the life that they're living, then Will tries to remove her from, from that situation. Then he starts to become an antagonist because he's trying to prevent her from reaching her goal, which is to adapt and have friends and live uh, in a proper home. And that's when the story really starts to get interesting. I love the dynamic of how... And because Tom starts to like um, that whole situation that they're living then their character's dynamic starts to change. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. I like how Will starts to become an antagonist and Tom starts to really stand out as a protagonist in the story. And, and Will, uh, Will always tries to not hold her back, but he always says, you know, they, we are living, we're fitting in to their structure and everything. And at first he is fine and he's saying, you know, like, we can always have our own thoughts. And then after a while, he just couldn't conform and he left. And, and then that's when Tom was clearly not in the same page as him. You know, she was wanting to maybe give it a chance uh, and continue there. And the father, you know, well, couldn't just stay there. He had to move on. He had to go back to a remote place where nobody would find him. And that's when they start going into it. And then because of his actions, they they run away and they go back to the woods in Seattle or Washington. In the yeah. Washington, they, in yeah, Washington they cross State. into Washington, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, we're running out of time. So we're trying to, I'm going to try to speed up the, the things a little bit here. So mm-hmm. they get into a new uh, commune because Will disappears and is found barely alive. 
And that's uh, sort of an all is lost moment in the story because um, she needs to take a step forward and manage the situation and do everything by herself because her dad is is sick. So she starts to interact with the people in the commune and she really wants to belong somewhere. She doesn't live, she doesn't want to like live as a nomad anymore. And that's when the, the theme of the story really starts to escalate because I read somewhere that the best ending, the only possible, the best ending is the only possible ending, mm-hmm. something along this, these lines. Mm-hmm. And this movie is a great example because the only possible ending is for them to be apart, to, mm-hmm. you know, each go their own separate way. Mm-hmm. And it's the best ending because she doesn't want to live the life that he wants to live. And he doesn't want to live the life that she wants to live. Yeah. So they have to go in their own separate ways. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what happens. But the way that the story gets there mm-hmm. is very, very well constructed. It's There is no way that you can watch this movie or read this script and imagine that because of the the decisions that they took in the story, I I haven't read the book. I don't know if the book is, uh, the the screenplay is similar to the book, but the way things happen and the way the story escalates, there is no other uh, possible ending to the story. And I think it's perfect. I really like this movie. Yeah. Even the the ending in the movie is different from the screenplay. Yeah. They even changed that. Mm-hmm. The last scene was was changed. The outcome was the same. I mean, uh, yes, there were that moment that they really got into it. They went back. She went back to the RV. She said, "Listen, I paid for rent, and we're staying." And then next, the next scene was literally the father packing his things and she clearly for the first time was when she said not you or that's you not me you know she said something like that in the film i think she said something like whatever is wrong with you is not wrong with me yeah something like that something like that or it whatever affects you doesn't affect me i think it's wrong what yeah it's wrong with you it's not wrong with me yeah something like that so she the the most important thing is that they always had respect for each other. And, you know, Will was never super imposing on her. She always followed him around. She enjoyed, she enjoyed his company until she saw, you know, especially when they go into the wild, when they were in a comfortable place. And then uh, she's put into... Yeah, that's interesting. Into you, just, the, you just made me realize something. The story is about two characters that are trying to be nonconformists, mm-hmm. right? So they're, they're trying to not conform to living in society. Mm-hmm. But deep down, they're, they're being conformist to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like he wants her to live with him, and that's the way he likes it. Mm-hmm. And she wants to live with him because that's the way she likes it. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they were calling all f- these problems to themselves because they were conforming to this idea that they needed to be together and they needed to build their own home. So that's that's a very interesting way of... Uh, and then once she was exposed to the world, and then we see the differences between the, the character, especially because Will didn't want to belong, and she wanted to belong. So that's when things separated between them. But until the final, until the ending, when, when she's mentioning, we're going to stay here, and I really like it here, 
and the, and whale leaves. That's when you know they have that final discussion. Yes, but whale totally approves of her staying behind. That's that, and that's great because if you think about it, both characters change by the end. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want her to live away from him. He wants her to be with him, and he changes at the end. He accepts that he, uh, she needs to be on her own and do her own thing, and she changes because she wants to live with her dad, whatever they they are, mm-hmm. and she doesn't want that anymore. She wants to conform to society and have friends and live in a community. Yeah. Um, so they both change. And that's another thing that another thing that makes the story so great. Yeah, and and it's you know it's an um, coming of age story for for Tom. You know she is growing up, and it's pretty and through dialogue and through the actions, you can see that she was growing up. And, and great actress, by the way. Yeah, Tom Thomasin McKenzie. Apparently, this is her debut in in a major. Yeah, this major movie. Film. This is this this movie makes me think. You know, uh, Deborah Granick, uh, Ben Foster, and Thomasin McKenzie. The three of them did such a great job in this movie. Such a great movie. Such a good movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It's it's been snubbed everywhere. Like the critics loved it. Mm-hmm. It got it's gotten great reviews, lots of praises, but you know, uh, it was snubbed by the Oscars, that sort of thing. Like I love what Deborah Granick did in this movie, and it's not being recognized uh, as much as it should, in my opinion. Yeah, I I also agree. I think that maybe the the I I thought well, let's maybe touch a little bit on. I actually have a couple of questions for you, just. How do you feel, for example, if we were, do you feel that society should have gone to that relationship? Because clearly we could see that the, the family relationship was very strong in the beginning and they were, they were, you know, they had the same mind and the same thoughts and, and they were conforming to each other. And then by the end of the movie, clearly they break apart. And from the screenplay, we don't get that ending note that in the film, we see a PTSD veteran going into the wild all by himself. So he lost his only support. That's at least what I, I took from, from the movie at the end. Of course, there was way more symbolic than that. But <laughs> at its core, in the end, he, his only support was let was abandoned so uh or he became abandoned after society came taught her all all this there was always those signs of uh there were always those little moments that they were you know being given a cell phone and he wouldn't take it and then there was a moment of and then she brings up you know if we had a cell phone we could be able to communicate it's like we were able to communicate like that before and we were doing just fine. And then, you know, that's when we start seeing the things changing. So uh, I think this is a very interesting topic of discussion, too, because today's society, we're highly influenced uh, by media, by other people's thoughts, while in this case, they had their own thoughts going. And everybody and Ben was very clear on or Ben or Will was actually very clear in saying, you know, you can always have your own thoughts. So I think overall, both of them maintained that 
you have your own thoughts. He respected her thought of staying behind and and she respected his thought of going back to the wilderness because she could totally have called, I don't know, have done no, something for I, him to leave, not to leave, right? I see where you're going. And, yeah. and, you know, honestly, it's what makes good scripts. It's cohesion. If your script is cohesive from beginning to end, then you can always come back to it. Every little bit of the script You can always come back and see something great. Like, for example, what you just mentioned, you know, uh, something they keep telling each other. We, we can always have our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it mirrors the, uh, in the end, when they decide to go on the, each on their separate ways, they're still having their own thoughts. She has her own, she's free to have her own thoughts about living in community. He, and he is free to have his own thoughts about living along the woods. So, you know, If you keep coming to separate elements in the script, you mm -hmm. will always find something that resonates along the entire movie. But do you feel do you feel like society did break that family relationship? I don't think society broke the relationship. I think it's something that had to be worked between the characters. You know, it's it it's not society's fault that her dad had uh, you know was traumatized and had post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not society's fault. So he had that and that caused him troubles to adapt back into society. But that doesn't mean that it was society's fault that he was that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think that's what broke them apart. I think if you had to argue what broke them apart was, you know, him going to war, mm -hmm. you know, that, that eventually made him, you know, traumatized and unable to function properly in society. Yeah. And but from the movie or from the logline and from the screenplay, I kind of I could tell as well that the whole PTSD and there was these layers of the film. okay, layers of the film that were put into discussion that in the screenplay weren't in the film became a little bit more visible. So I think they also touched a little bit on what we how we treat our vets you know or the americans treat their vets uh how they they oh yeah for sure i think this, you know uh it, in the end there was just this vet that was living in an rv uh in a trailer park the medic yeah a medic so he was there so abandoned and this yeah. was the first marine that showed up in the screenplay but in the film he was a marine treating a marine mm -hmm. and and they yeah. both were Not in in the yeah. I think this movie makes a very important note about the situation with uh, homeless people in America. Oh yeah, and especially veterans, war veterans in America. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it feels very authentic in the way they they portray the situation people are living in. It almost it's it's very it feels very authentic authentic at least. Yeah, I I. I gotta say kudos to Ben Foster for the movie and his, his also Thomas and McKenzie did an amazing job as Tom. Everybody I did mean, an amazing job as a movie. I really liked it. And, and Ben, I mean, Ben always, he's played, I think, one or two, one or two, um, films as a soldier that had PTSD, mm -hmm. you know? That's true. And this one, he was a very different character from those different, from those movies. Uh, he was quiet, just like the character in the play, in the screenplay. 
and uh, he wasn't violent at all, which is something that Ben Foster really knows how to capture that violence and angst. But in this one, he was just anxious and and just in angst with society. So I I really enjoyed this film. It was yeah, me too. By yeah, we, far, we ran out of time, unfortunately. It's an underrated film. Make Very sure to underrated. watch it. Make sure you watch it. Of course, I hope that you watched before you listened to the episode. Hopefully you did. Um, yeah, we're running out of time. We're trying to make the episodes between 30 and 40 minutes just to be more manageable for, for your listeners. Um, thank you for, uh, for joining us in this episode. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Livio. Thank you very much. Uh, until next time, please uh, subscribe and tell your friends and look for us on Facebook. We're trying to work on a website for you guys to have uh, episode notes. Yeah. But until then, look us up on Facebook and uh, everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. Make sure to listen to Into the Script. Until next time. All right. 